and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. Did you miss us? We missed you. <laughs> Sorry, a <laughs> little bit of horse right there, but I'm creepy sounding now. Right, well. Now? Yes, now. <laughs> Before I sounded like some kind of like, you know, I sounded normal and expected. I am now unexpected. Ha ha ha. Well, that's what happens when you go to a convention. Hey, I was found to be an interesting person there, so I'm going to kind of wear that as a badge. <laughs> you should. <laughs> so. <clears throat> we are, however, taking the episode today to go in a little bit of a more academic bend. Because sometimes, sometimes we as GMs get to be smart. And not just smarty pants. And here's the other thing. It's also one of the cool things, which is, I, I hate to say it, but it's also kind of fun to admit you don't know something. So that way you can, you ha it's that, oh my gosh, discovering for the first time, like watching usual suspects for the first time and that joy of discovery. You know, that yeah. kind of cool stuff. And whole, and I'll be honest, I am going to tell everybody most importantly, make sure you put a timer up when you start to do researching stuff. Because sometimes, all right, you'll be able to pull yourself away. And sometimes you'll just end up going down that rabbit hole. And three days later, and you're like, I haven't eaten. So we are talking <laughs> about researching today. And aside from the potential issue with food, I'm going to talk a little bit about how to tailor the research and how to make sure you're moving in the right direction and avoid those kinds of rabbit hole dangers. But that's the thing. When we're GMing, there's stuff we don't know about the world, about the plan, about the campaign. And to some level, even if you are one of those improvis say improvisational, bottom-up kind of designers, you still there are things you need to know. And you realize you need to know. And here's the thing. Yeah. Knowing, knowing the stuff, and the thing is, like, as an improviser, and I know I'm one of those, the more knowledge you have and the more stuff you can pull out of your back pocket that's feasible, believable, fits within your world, the, it, it's great because, oh, crap, that wouldn't – and then you're like, click, click, click. Oh, this will work. Grab, throw. Yeah. It is it, – it, 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 for improvisers like myself, doesn't mean I don't prepare, but it, I do a lot of improv. It is the get-out-of-jail-free card or the, oh, thank God. Yeah, well <laughs> – Part of the thing is, is that you can, you can make, if, if you do enough research, you can make the ever effective Star Trek science stuff work in any game. 
it doesn't have to be just science fiction. If you know enough little bits about fantasy things, you can do the same sort of thing where you, you weave enough little things that aren't quite right to make it seem very, very plausible, just like Star Trek does with science. Exactly. And here's, here's some of the other things also is, you know, like if the, and when you are researching things, uh, you are trying to find what is interesting and as true as you can probably kind of sort of guess. And I'm going to, I'm going to quote, uh, I don't know if it was Mark Twain. I can't remember exactly, but it's like, make sure you know what your rules are. Make sure you know bef uh, before you bend them and then you break them. So if you've already got a couple of little things you've seeded in your world, and then you do a little bit of, of research, you know, uh, checking out other magic systems, other game systems, uh, uh, religious theory, stuff like that, you might be able to find ways to where it'll fit within the rules you've built, but breaking it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. If I am making sense, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, research is one of those things that is almost one of the first things that you have to do once you've kind of pitched your basic idea to your players. Mm -hmm. Because that is, once you have the pitch done, you need to start working on kind of how it's all going to fit together. And there's a couple of tricks that you can use, but one that is kind of important is based on the game system that you're actually going to be running, because some of them have lore and stuff kind of already baked in, like Pathfinder and D&D &D kind of have settings and worlds kind of baked into them already. Now, you can do your own things, sure. Mm -hmm. But there are certain things if you're going to use the existing published game material it has some of that stuff already baked in so you don't have to do that that level of research you have to research on what those game systems are and the other part about that is a lot of game systems now have bibliographies for inspiration and so you can go up and down that line really easily if you need to fill in further blanks. And that's the thing. You're going to realize what you're missing when you start actually putting your campaign together, either the world oh, or yeah. the arc. Mm -hmm. you, you can't just start researching for the heck of researching in a gaming context. Right. You need to know why. And so you've got to start putting it on paper. You know, I like actual physical paper, but, you know, we could be talking about computer as well. When you start getting that together, you'll start seeing what you don't know or what you feel like you don't know. Or the other thing is, like, you might have, you as you're writing it down, you're like, I need, or, you know, it's like, I want to do blah with that, you know, just this one kind of specific thing. So, and, you know, so, you know, it's like, okay, this is, this is where I have, this is where you'd want to start. But the thing is also is like as you're researching it, make sure you note how it's affecting other things that you're pretty sure you know. Kind of sorta. <laughs> well, in the first well, step, the first step I'm gonna recommend because to know what you need to look for is that brainstorming and just a complete brain dump. 
what are the themes, what are the locations, what events, what kind of stuff is in your head about this campaign as it relates to the system. If you've chosen it, get it out. And once it's out, you'll start to see kind of the ways the dots connect or, or maybe even some groupings that already exist. And that's where you're going to find holes or concentrations that tell you what you're missing. Either because you realize, I, I, I like this idea, but I don't know how it's going to happen. Or I've got a bunch of stuff that all seems to cluster around this concept. I need to know more about it. Mm -hmm. And those are starting points. And the important part is that in this, when you're brainstorming, don't stop while you're brainstorming to research any of those things that you put down on paper. Don't no, stop. get them all down first. <laughs> yes. And that's mm -hmm. one of the biggest problems is that people will end up down a rabbit hole. And I'm going to keep coming back to some of these ways that you can control that ability to get lost in your own curiosity. Yeah. But the thing, the thing is also after you've kind of brainstormed, at least for me, what I'd recommend you know, because right, it, it's a creative exercise. You take aha brain, bleh, you know, let it sit. Let don't immediately go searching for researching or something like that. You know, kind of let it sit next day. Just double check. Just like, you know, it's like, oh, hey, it, you see it. You might get a, an interesting like tangential thing you might want to put in there. But the thing is, that if you brain dump and then immediately after everything you've got and then immediately start going into research, you can either a burn out, you can rabbit hole, but you haven't had a chance to kind of like sit, dream, think on it and then figure out a way for it to coalesce. The psychological term you were looking for is incubation. We benefit from letting our mind make memory connections and inspiration in the background, and not only when you're actively accessing your memory. This is a known phenomenon, and I uh, could put like a whole bunch of like actual academic stuff in the doodly-doo, but <laughs> incubation is the far. word you're looking for. Uh, and it's a thing. And letting it sit is going to let you make those connections in the background, let your mind do things subconsciously that you may not do if you try to push through. And that is one of the smartest things that has ever come out of Jules's mouth. And she's got a lot if you've listened to these last 130 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Smart things, not just stuff that came out of her mouth. <laughs> no, but that, yeah, like I've, I've been known to do just that. Like I have taken and just written like all these things and then just been like, okay, so what do I want to do now? And for some people, like for me, because my memory gets kind of wonky at times, and that is partly because of the way I got hit. Um if you if even if you don't necessarily are thinking about it you are thinking about it but keeping like whatever you wrote it on close at hand so you could like look at it from time to time that can help jar things and start forcing you to think about it in other ways when you purposefully take like you know, like if you're at work and you have like a 10 minute break, just glance over stuff. Or when you have your lunch break at work, you know, look at it. Because those are all small, tightly controlled 
time frames that you can work on things. Actually, one of the one of the best times the rabbit hole. But here's one of the best times that I've actually found, and it's it sounds so dumb, but it works at least well for me. When you're like heating up breakfast in the morning, first thing a shower. No, but the thing is, like the the reason I know when you're cooking breakfast is like because also, you know, if you're okay, if you're just making oatmeal, it doesn't take very very long, but and you have to kind of sort of keep an eye on it, so it kind of that built. It's like all right, like if you're in the shower, I'll stay five more minutes, five more minutes, five more until you run out of hot water. But nobody wants to have burnt eggs by cooking by doing it while you're cooking. It actually makes you like I kind of have to have my head also in the real world a little bit. And it, it, it adds this very strange, I don't want to say dissonance, but, you know, it's like, okay, you're half dreaming, half being responsible. You get some really interesting just connections that will pop from time to time. Yeah. But those, those are all ways of looking at your brainstorming and, and ways to keep yourself somewhat focused when you actually start doing your research mm-hmm. but i know because. the reason that works for me is i have add so i have to have some kind of side distractions but the the one thing that's actually that that i would recommend also is that as you are doing your you know as you're you know coming up with stuff you want to research and what i like <clears throat> don't be afraid if you know, okay, you're listening, you're driving, you hear something on NPR. And it's like, you know what, that actually might be interesting. If they're talking about like, like sound waves or something like that. <laughs> you know, and you're like, hey, you know what, that might be interesting. It's like, all right, you know, when you get up to a place, write down, research sound waves, because you think it might be effective. Just don't, don't be afraid to have kind of inspiration smack in the back of the head. And things like, I only must think of my stuff. Kind of let it in a little bit. The next point I'm going to move to is is once you've identified either the holes or the concentrations where you're going to research, you're going to be looking at items, things that, that you're filling in the gaps on that you're researching. As you're doing that, it's okay to make a note of something else that comes up that you're not researching right now that you will in the future. Don't ignore it. Don't follow it down the rabbit hole yet, but make another note that this is something that's getting added to what's going to be on your list. Actually, how would you talk? That's it's a, it sounds silly, but it's a meditative technique. You look, you acknowledge it, you thank it, and then you let it go. That is correct. It is very similar to that. And you can do that however you want. A footnote, a colored note, a particular color of, of a sticky note. All of these are options and ways to do it that you can come back to. Also, I like multicolored sticky notes and and um that's a kind of that's, a, a that's what i do right uh i do mind mapping it, stuff yeah like this. well and because then well, you can I do it electronically yeah before yeah, we had the electronic versions that was you know where i color coded yeah. the card the, the say the index cards yeah. and all of that but don't let yourself get seduced into the minutiae of questionable providence don't end up going down rabbit holes just because it's fun and so when you're doing this stage two part of the research, it's because you've got a goal. You are building out the world. You're building out the campaign. You've got a theme. You've got an idea. You've got something to work towards or from. And that helps direct you. 
because that's one of the biggest dangers when you've got these open-ended research ideas is having guidance or direction. And that's part two. Uh, you can go back and listen to some of our previous episodes about themes and how to build thematic components into your campaigns. It's the same idea. So when you've got that done, you you know have a concentration around a region or a concept. You say you want, like me, to do something maybe distinctly Spanish or Moorish in a Mediterranean style in the campaign. It's easy once you've identified that kind of cluster to research the Almohad Empire, to research the Iberian Peninsula. And when you've done that first set of brainstorming, as you're researching, you're going to see how what you research fits into what you already have out. Yeah. By brain dumping early, mm -hmm. you are able to fit things into a larger bit of a context. And that's what's something I, I find invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of really cool uh things that you can uh, focus wherever you you need to to really you know kind of take the pieces that you need to make it work because you don't want to just well it's set there and you know you just basically carbon copy it now there's nothing wrong with doing that but if you want it to be more distinctive then a, a great way to do that is to just cherry pick those couple of ideas that you pull from the research and then using those. Because if you don't, then you could, you're literally, you could just literally make carbon copies of whatever you've researched. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to acknowledge that that's what you're doing. Because this is supposed to be a creative endeavor. So you will hit a point where it's no longer inspiration. It's plagiarism. And it's figuring out the balance between the two. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and the thing is, as, as you're doing your research, if you're trying to find... Um, it's like patterns throughout conflicts in history or the cause and effect of, you know, I, I, let's just put it this way, you know, pretty much for the Napoleonic world, uh, wars, concept of Europe, World War One, World War Two, trying to find stuff like that if you're running a political campaign kind of a thing. The thing is, it's like there's nothing wrong with, with um, I don't want to actually say fully stealing. Because it's not because you're you're trying to figure out what's the common theme, what's the common theme, what's the common theme, and but you salt. as you what salt salt is the common theme. Uh, More wars I, have I, been fought over salt than any other thing on the planet. Really, I thought it was water. Hmm. You can get water. Not salt everyone. You mine for. You have yeah, to work but... to get salt. <laughs> You're right there. <laughs> You're right, but the the thing is like. You have to, and as you said, you like the whole idea about plagiarism is like, okay, you know, it's like, you know, it's like rather it's like facts, ideas, concepts, stuff like that. Yeah, using those, use those how you like, you know, but you just have to make sure that you are using the theme and the, the high level versus the, I guess, minutia 
and just making sure it's just like you don't end up going into too minutia. Then you could, by not only doing that, but you also kind of lock yourself a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, God, I apologize. Yeah. I'm not having a good time with words. <laughs> but, and here's, here's the other thing, and this is going to sound for any type of research is like, okay, it's like, I, as you're, after you've done your brain dump, after you've done your rest, but before you actually start doing stuff, write down, it's just like, all right, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, the, the lectures of Richard Feynman, where you think, where you think you might find something, just ideas of, you know what? I might find something down this rabbit hole, if, well, not rabbit hole, but it's like, or at least it might point me in the right direction, you know? So it's like Wikipedia, um, uh, forums, certain, uh, you know, it's like, and, and the thing is, is like, if you've got, um, you know, it's like if you've got if you're doing something with uh, like with a, with a kind of noir 1920s kind of a feel. If you're friends with a person that actually studies that point in history, ask them. It's like what were some cool things? What made what gave it that feel? What made the 20s roar? You know, and they'll be able to, you know, like you have hopefully you guys have friends that have a thousand and bajillion and infinite different interests somebody one of them might know something about what you're trying to look for and the thing is you know ask them one it's wonderful bonding activity we've been in social isolation for god knows how freaking long so do it and <clears throat> also you make them feel good because they get to talk about something they love and you might find something else you're like "Ooh, didn't think about that and you know it's like "Ooh, cool i make the note put it on the sticky note put it on your computer for the next time can get a couple of rewards out of that one. Yeah. Yeah, and that's basically one of the things. Don't don't restrict yourself. Yeah. Use every resource that you have at your disposal from from books to you know, use your library. You know, use in fact I'm gonna say go back and re go back and listen to our GM library entries in oh. previous episodes for examples of books that may serve you well for research topics. Yeah. And, Insert and shameless plug here. Yes. But here's here's the and I think the most important it's like, you know, all of us we, we like to learn stuff. You know, the three of us and they're all different. But the thing is that if you are researching something and you are just hating doing it and that's something you need to be aware of as you're researching because like we all remember how we learn history world war one was because uh gravillo princip shot uh Frez ferdinand yeah the archduke okay but boring that they killed yeah. like, like millions of millions of people within in less than a year and we found the first we found the great war boring because it was information event and effect but without any impact and the thing is you're not researching for data points you are researching to bring life to bring reality to bring intrigue and interest into whatever you are running so if you are hating it's becoming dry it's becoming like you know the middle school history class you know it's like right before lunch and you're hating every second of it and you have no idea why this means anything yeah, it might not. It's like, all right, see if you could find. It's like it might be important to what you want to run, but see if you could find it approaching it from another avenue. Yeah. Because it's like I hated history. I hated history for years and years and years, and then I found Sabaton. Then I found Sabaton history, and now I'm nuts about it. 
I just get bored with military history, so that's part of why I ended up outside of the history buff areas is I, I didn't get caught up in the military history parts. But I only have kind of the last kind of thought about research is when you've got those goals, when you've got that kind of guide rails around you and doing your research, you're going to start getting to a point where your research curves back on itself. When you start hitting the same concept or hitting the same reference point, repeat, that's a more than once, you can probably stop researching. At some point, you're going to start hitting recursive ideas and you're going to start coming back around to the same things. Now, it may be a different perspective. It may be a different mm -hmm. context. Maybe, you know, Rashomon style, a whole different point of view on the same event. But this is also <laughs> your cue where you've hit the point to stop researching and start moving into the next phase, right. which is the actual creation. We've done some episodes on that. You should go back and listen to them and then tell us what you think about them on the various social medias where you can find us, <laughs> including the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitters, the Discord. Ooh, we love our Discord members. And you should engage. You guys us are weird. <laughs> There's that too. Uh, but those, those kind of cues about not being ashamed to ask the question, brain dumping everything you've already got so you can see what you're working with, and so it can keep you from going off the rails, using all the resources at your geeky fingers, because let's face it, as geeks, we have access to a huge breadth of information sources, including our friends that a lot of non-geeks don't have, and recognizing when to stop and move on from just researching to applying your research. At some point, you stop being a theoretician and become an engineer. This is the point to recognize that. And that's the big picture look. This is something I may have thought about a lot in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's you want and here's the thing. If you if you found out there when you're when you're when you're doing when you're doing your research, when you're pulling up you know, it's just like little bits and bots and and put and and just kind of like, all right, I'm getting more info, more info. If you found a good tool, if you found a resource, if you found an organization, you know, um, if you found any any tips, any tricks, because you know, we're somewhat intelligent over here, kind of depending. But the thing is, as I said, all three of us love to learn. It's that's the fun part because if you're just doing it because you're like, Ugh, then your game's not going to be fun. There's things like it's like so if you have ways, better well, ways of learning. If you have better ways of organizing, or you have, uh, if you found a way that where you could do like the the sticky notes that Garbage uses, but they're you know, and then you can find a way that can translate those into into like a tablet or something for on the go ideas. Let us know anything that you can give us. We'd like to hear too because. You know, we've been doing this a while, but, you know, technology and information is always growing. So I know I don't know uh, everything. Also, yeah. you know, enlightened self-interest here. Engage with us. Like, rate, review. It makes more people find the show. It enhances our views in the algorithm, which at the end of the day, while those of you already listening are near and dear to our heart, we would prefer to spread out how much of the souls and life forces we are taking. So it's not just the inner circle, but so that we can take a little bit more from a wider spectrum of people. Yeah, but you know, the people that have been with us at the beginning, the OGs, you know, you know, you know we love you best. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Getting just a little uh. bit. It's, the, the thing is, though, that, you know, 
anything from and and Garbage, I I I I can't I had enough for you for some of this. It's like you know, some of the old cartoons that you used to watch, but then the, you'll remember it's like it's like if that's the kind of idea, if you want to get that kind of flash gordony kind of feel. All right, excellent. You watch, and then you're like, okay, like Mark Hamill did this before, like the internet was the internet. He'd do like microfiche and research who did voices and who acted and what. And what. It, it was crazy, and but the thing is, by doing that, you might find some other projects, you know, created by like the creator of Flash Gordon, and they might be able to give you better insight. So you know, that's the, it's fun. Yeah. But yep. no, I, I lost a night to doing the Flash Gordon uh, Wikipedia deep dive. <laughs> and I, I I'm be... not gonna at all say that Wikipedia has um sucked many, many days away from me. And not once did I ever need to know about sons and the the color and burn temperatures ever in my life did I ever think that this was going to be an important thing. But... I got graded on that quiz back in, like, fifth grade science. I actually had... No, like, I went really deep into that because there was a period where I was working on a world-building Wednesday for the blog. And the planet that I created with the star system that went with it was actually very very accurate academically mm -hmm. <laughs> so you can get a lot of research in and spend several days doing it and then go and create something because you know you have to or you want to and so you know while research is cool it is just a vessel to get you to the game table and putting all of these ideas that you have out there for your players. So while we, we love to learn stuff, you have to remember that you still have to be able to make it so that the players can interact with it. So you have to step beyond and into that creative mode with all of the information that you've gained. So, And we'll cover that in a future episode of Seize the GM. Yes. But for now. Oh, just quick one other thing, side effect. One thing that it's always going to be kind of fun is once you start learning how to do research and you got a person at your table that wants to start their own game, you can start helping them learn how to research for their game. Or you can use them to do research for your game in the name of teaching them how to research for their game as unpaid labor. <laughs> that too. But for now. that is that is that is another topic for another day. Indentured servitude. We're not going to talk about that, though. It is bad. And for now, we are instead going to roll right into system neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. All right, Zen, go. What, damn it. <laughs> All right. 
All right, are you ready? The feel of the jack fades into nothing. Once the network connection is finalized and ready, you dive in. Not long after you start the dive in, do you find the information you need? To find the information you need, you see it. The imagery is striking, part human and part dragon, and it screams towards you. Just when you think it's going to slam into you, the being pulls up short. The hot, wet breath is so real, and the closeness makes you see makes all those little details jump out to you. What do you need in this place? The harsh, gravelly voice asks. What all beings need from it? Information is the reply. There's almost something rote in the responses. Ah, uh, but what have you brought me? This. And you hold up the stored data. That will do. That will do. Then he places a hand on your shoulder, and in the blink of an eye, you're in a massive library node. Well, you know it isn't all the information. You know it. If, if you need more, he can bring it to you. If you need anything while here, please just call my name, he rumbles out. Okay, but what is your name? Savage, at your service. I do love creepy librarians. <laughs> God, I, I yeah. swear, it, it reminded me of the, the, the librarian from my elementary school. <laughs> creepy as hell. <laughs> See, my librarian in, in elementary school was like awesome. He actually got me so interested in libraries that I almost became a librarian. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, Gardemanger, what do you got? No, oh, well, I mean, curiosities do make the best gifts, right? What would be more amusing than this strangely designed monocle? A bit of a steampunk, steampunk ethos about it. Whether that be ahead or behind of when you find it, the monocle catches your eye because of the intricate connection points that hold the lens. Now, if you manage to research the slightly recessed compartment with the extending scroll, you find out the monocle belonged to the archivist Zorath. Zorath may be gone some 300 years, but her tendency to look askance at dolts and simpletons has entered the common parlance. Zorath's stare. <laughs> the slight glint of the metal on the monocle seems unusual, but it is a product of a time long past, or yet to come. When trying on the monocle, you're surprised at how well it fits, and so easily. It is one that seems to help with your reading almost immediately, even though you've never been blessed enough by the fates to need their lenses. It's only when you attach the monocle's chain and, and safely fasten it from falling that you realize the true treasure you've found. The monocle identifies everything it can within its scope of vision. An endless stream of knowledge, facts, factoids, and data overwhelm you as you realize how much you don't know about even the room around you. Zoreth's legend makes more sense now, with this unending ability to research what they found in real time. Answers to the questions that could be found in Zorath's library. 
and the headache follows soon after. The pounding pain you're certain came from the monocle's use. How many times can you make use of this boon? And what will it reveal to you? Did you really want to know which aliens made that pyramid? I love it. That's wicked, dude. <clears throat> that is nice. Yes, be you fantasy, modern steampunk, sci-fi, or other, Archivist Zorath's monocle should be something of great utility. <laughs> yes, that was cool. I love it. Oh. All right. That was, del- as always, Gardemanger, delightful. <clears throat> Absolutely delightful. Thank you, and, and hopefully the mass bibliotheca militia will never get a hold of it, because that would just be bad. <laughs> would it? Not if you're playing a game where you actually are part of the bibliotheca militia. See, there we go. It's all about perspective. But with that, we're going to go ahead and flip on into our next segment. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. Okay. What you got, Zen? Examen. Oh, God. No. <laughs> no. No, it's coming to haunt my dreams. Uh, the worst part is, is like, I. When you look at the word, you have no idea how it's going to be pronounced because you're like, I'm going to get this wrong either way. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. I know that word. It haunted me in college. Yeah. It, it's not, you know, the the opposite of Charles Xavier's students with the Marvel Comics line. No. But it is um, like like an empirical study or a rigorous study. especially if published, because that's where I recall it from college, is that it would get used by students who had a larger thesaurus than results. Yes. Basically, it just means examination or a critical study of something. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I I mean, I know what it was. It was one of those, I never knew how to say the damn word. (laughs) Uh, And I'd always hate myself for it. That's why I love Merriam-Webster, because if you go on their website and you look up the word, it will also have a uh, pronunciation, like it'll have the normal traditional pronunciation guide, which I include in our lexicon, but it'll actually have a recording of someone saying the word as well. So there's a lot of use out of it. That's why I love their website so much. Um, but the history and etymology of this is it is Latin and it's the tongue of a balance or examination from, uh, I believe that is exegree. I don't know Latin, so I have to guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we took the wrong languages. You know what? I could have taken it when I was in uh, middle school. We actually had a Latin class. We did too. I went with Spanish. Instead, I took French and failed French. (laughs) So now the first known 
Use of Eximen is in 1502. And its popularity lookup is in the top 11% of words. So, yeah. I thought it would be a uh, appropriate tie-in to the... Uh, the, the theme, theme of the of the episode so and i know my closing remarks are tied into that what about everybody else's do you even have to ask whether i overdid it with the theme <laughs> i know you which is it. always awesome but especially because you have spent such a wonderful time with us so far in my closing remarks i've got a link to a copy of to purchase a copy of the Dictionary of Cultural Literacy. It's billed as kind of the essential, uh, essential compilation of the cultural knowledge every American should have. It uh, kind of gives you a jump start though on researching or learning cultural trends, ideas, and influences. Uh, it, it's a great shorthand to understand your own references you may not have realized you've internalized from a cultural perspective and also to kind of have the opportunity to see what you may have missed and learn some additional factoids. It was a great kind of uh, relaxing thing to read in between quiz bowl rounds just for fun back when I was a wee youth who did things like the quiz bowl. <laughs> what? What is the quiz bowl? I've never heard of that. Like academic decathlon. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so cool. <laughs> I, I wish I was smart. Well, see, here's mine. See, mine, mine is kind of a two-parter because these two books go together. Um, they are the two volumes of the Atlas Obscura. So if you want some really cool things that are like great locations and MacGuffins for your game, then these books are just totally packed full of them. And there's a volume one and a volume two. Now they're technically uh, different editions of the same book, but you should still get both of them because some of the things that are in one are not found in two. So for that reason, you should probably get both of them. They're not horribly expensive, but they are they're they're weird and out of the way locations and information about the actual world that we have right now. And it's really cool because there's all kinds of little tidbits and it's not just like America it's from the entire world so you may have like you know it'll be like start in Europe and it'll have like a map and it'll have like all these locations and you'll you'll be able to read about all of these different things that are going on and there's all kinds of just other weird things in it that you can find out so yeah it is i i have i've already told my wife that i have to have both of these I found the first one at the uh, at our library because I took my daughter to go get her library card when we when we moved and you're a wonderful daddy. <laughs> we all went and got books, and I got the uh, they had both volumes of the Alice Obscura there, 
So I got the first one because I was like, I'll just go ahead and read through this. And basically for two days straight, I didn't do anything but go through this book. <laughs> so it's really cool. And full of great locations and ideas for uh, stuff in games. So what you got, Jules? Oh, the thing is like for, we were talking about, okay, learning stuff. There's a, a YouTube channel uh, called Crash Course. Started by uh, John and Hank Green. Uh, you've probably seen them like SciShow or SciShow Space, and pretty much it's really interesting. It's a it is a melange, if you will, of kind of you know, gosh, five to fifteen minute videos on a whole bunch of really interesting topics from uh, pandemics to science bits to musicians and their life and their impact, and it's. Oh, it's, it's, I think it's not like, okay, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, it's not like that stuff, but it's, it is interesting, it's fun, it's, um, I never, but it's, I mean, it's still going, and they're still putting out cool stuff, and, you know, I'll be honest, it's, you know, it's like, one of the ones is like, what, I think it was like, what is history, what exactly would be, would be considered history, how is history remembered, it was fun. And I, I think because if like sometimes you're not exactly sure where to lurk, I like I'm, I was recommending Crash Course because you could just pull up what they've got, see if anything might even sideways kind of fit. Because the thing is, like it's all it, it's all over the place without being kind of like ADD jump 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 jump. I mean, they okay. do have like stuff in psychology. They have everything: history, music, um, you know, uh, psych. Uh, 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 medicine. So it's like if you're not sure, if you're like if you're not even sure where to where to start, and sometimes you kind of need to say, uh, maybe I'll get inspired here, click, and see if anything anything calls to you. And if not, yeah. you learn some. So high five either way. Nice. I like it. Yeah, and the other thing is it's 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 done in a way. You know, it's like when somebody would be telling you like a really fun story and you're kind of like, oh my God, what happens next? Rather than that super dusty, although they have made fun of that super dusty, you know, like sage on a stage kind of a thing. It's like sometimes it'll work, but not for everybody. And they make, oh, it's hilarious because it was like the psychology of learning, I think was one of them. Okay. So have, you know, eh. you might like it. Hopefully you have fun. Cool. All right. Well, guys, I guess we, we've got everything all wrapped up. So until next time, <laughs> get out there and have some fun. Roll some dice. And stay safe. And we will see you guys soon. Back here at Seize the GM. Bye. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or 
Go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.